Good morning, everybody. Before we begin our reflection today, just two very brief announcements. First of all, you need to recognize today is Deacon Juan Pagan's seventh anniversary of the Diaconate Ordination. His gift is... Uh, So it's a gift to have him serving at Mass today. Second, uh, students, particularly freshmen, you will notice in your pews there should be little forms there, hopefully with some pens or pencils. If you are interested in signing up for a Bible study, I ask you to, to fill it out, and when they come around for the collection, you can put it in the collection basket, and someone will contact you later in the week. Adults, this is not for you, but if you're interested in learning more about your faith, uh, with small groups, the different opportunities we have, Pick up a bulletin and there's a sheet in there, uh, one of the pages that will explain all of the different opportunities formation that we have here at Wisdom. I'm sure most of you, if you pay attention to the internet and social media, saw an article a week or two ago about this Pew study that was done interviewing Catholics. And it said, or stated, that only about 30% of Catholics actually believe in Jesus' true presence in the Eucharist, that he's really present there, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And about 70% thought not only that it was symbolic, but also that this is what the church taught, that the church taught that Jesus truly was not present in the Eucharist. Now, you can debate about the authenticity of the methods of the poll, but the truth is, I don't think that the results should come as a surprise to anyone. At least it doesn't to me as a priest. I have witnessed over my 20 years as a priest the reality of this crisis of Eucharistic faith. And so what happened is on the internet, though, there was everyone on social media and the blogosphere commenting about the origins of this problem, the crisis of faith, but also potential solutions. And as I was reading these different articles, I realized that at the heart of the writer's belief was this hope that somehow, like we hear about in the gospel today, that people from east and from west and north and south would flock back to church and adore Jesus in the Eucharist. They would be, like we hear in the gospel, beating down the doors to the church to be able to adore and worship Jesus and to come to Mass. Now, the truth is, maybe I'm kind of the glass-is-half-empty guy. Actually, I am the glass-is-half-empty kind of guy. Call me a realistic individual, the fact is, is I really don't think that's going to happen. Really don't think that is going to happen. Why? Because if you look back to John chapter 6, the famous bread of life discourse, where Jesus pretty well laid it out, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you have no life in you, and said that the Eucharist was his body and blood, his disciples, some of his own followers said, this is a hard teaching, and left. So right at the very, very beginning, this is a hard teaching for people to not only grasp with their minds, but also grasp with their hearts. And so throughout history, even though we've come to explain it much better and have philosophy and theology to help us grasp how Jesus can be truly present under the appearances of bread and wine, 
I do not think that this belief has become any easier. It's still very, very difficult, and we've seen throughout the history of the church different heresies and different crises of Eucharistic faith. It is a very hard teaching, and it takes a very strong faith, and also, I believe, somewhat of a strong theological knowledge to understand it. Now, some people may say, well, Father, that's just true for today. Well, let's look back before Vatican II. The churches were packed, and they were Corpus Christi processions, and they were Eucharistic sol solidarities or whatever. Everybody loved the Eucharist. And while in a certain sense there may have been a lot much more devotion and mass attendance, my counter-argument has always been this. If the faith was so strong, if there was such a real belief in the Eucharist, then why, when the winds of change came in the late 60s, did everything utterly collapse? If there was really a strong faith, if there was really a solid belief in the Eucharist, yeah, the trees would have swayed in the wind, the hurricane of the chaos that came in the 60s and 70s, but the church would have persevered. Instead, it completely crumbled. People vacated churches. People quit practicing these devotions. Now again, there could be a number of different reasons. But on the surface, I think the faith looked strong, but there was something that was not exactly right in the hearts of a lot of believers. Now even knowing the teaching, and people who know in their minds transubstantiation and substance and accidents, and have read the Lamb's Supper and understand all about the nature of the Eucharist, just because you understand the theology of the Eucharist and the Mass doesn't mean you're going to practice your faith. Doesn't mean you're going to be excited to come to Sunday Mass or go to Eucharistic Adoration. I know all about eating healthy. I know all about how I should do smoothies and spinach and all kinds of quinoa. But guess what? When I'm hungry in the afternoon, I still eat a candy bar. I still do. And so the same way we can have the knowledge, but it doesn't mean that it will necessarily transfer into practice. Now, even though I'm the glass is half empty to a great degree, I'm not hopeless. And I do believe we need to work for a change and we need to rekindle Eucharistic belief, Eucharistic wonder and awe in the hearts of Catholics that we will know that Jesus is truly present there. And even though the priest homily may be terrible, you may not like the music, you may not understand the ritual, you're not going to jump ship to go somewhere else because they don't have the true presence. So how do we do this? Well, again, I'm sort of sounding like one of these individuals on the blogosphere giving my own opinion. But what I like to do is sort of base it in some of the thinking of Pope Benedict actually writing before he became Pope, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger. And he talked about sort of evangelizing, catechizing today, and spreading the faith. And he said that the struggle that we face today is people don't use their reason. They don't think through anything anymore. They generally make their decisions off of emotions. And so we can have our apologetic project, and we can try to explain the faith all we want, but it's not going to really work. If you don't believe me, turn on the news. 
go read some of the commentary on social media, particularly in the comment section under certain posts, and you will realize people do not use their reason. And so what does he propose is the way to be able to spread the faith? He proposes two things, beauty and holiness. Beauty and holiness, that both of them reveal a certain truth that transcends the intellect and speaks to the deepest part of the human person. And so uh, beauty, the beauty of the liturgy, the chanting and the, the smells and the bells and all the tradition and ritual that surround our belief in Christ's true presence. This should draw us in to the mystery and a deeper understanding. And while this is important, I do not necessarily think having beautiful masses are going to change the world. It's important, but the real way we're going to change things is holiness, is personal sanctity of life, a spirituality and a prayer that is centered on the Eucharist, that puts mass and adoration as primary devotions. And I can tell you in my own journey, from the time that I entered the seminary or right before, up until now, it's seeing the holiness of others, witnessing their love for the Eucharist that has really spoken to me and bolstered my own Eucharistic faith. I remember when I had my conversion back in 1993, and as college, I cut my hair, I took out my earrings, I quit partying like I used to. Yeah, I had two earrings right here for those who didn't know that. No tattoos, I couldn't afford one. Anyhow, I started going to church, mass every day, adoration. And I can tell you there were two individuals that I saw there at mass praying so devoutly. When I go to the chapel at St. Patrick's, they were there. And as much as I wanted to, to focus on the Eucharist, the witness of these individuals praying spoke to me and I said, I'd like to be like that. I'd like to have the faith of that individual. And as a priest, I, I've been able to travel a lot and do a lot of work with religious sisters. And if you've ever done a holy adoration with the missionaries of charity, these sisters kneel down on the wood or the concrete for their holy hours, and they pray so devoutly. My knees start hurting after two or three minutes. When I go to California with the Carmelites out there, I, I always like to sit in the back, well, because I'm a good Catholic, even though I'm a priest, and all the sisters are there for adoration. You can just sort of see the back of their habits. And these sisters for the whole hour never move. Never move. They're locked in. I can barely sit still for 30 seconds. That's why I sit in the back. I don't want to distract the sisters. But they're so still. Such devotion. It really is edifying for me. But I'll say, though, the thing that is the most convincing is to see... Here at Wisdom, during the day, when we have adoration, the students in church adoring Jesus. And I can tell when someone is praying and they really believe. And over my years, I've seen some students whose Eucharistic faith blows me away. In fact, some of you may have walked in this morning because we had a little adoration and saw people adoring sitting down or kneeling and adoring Jesus. That's the witness that convinces people. Now, granted, we need to get them into the church, but when we see others adoring, it begins to change our hearts. Now, 
I'm not saying that we should be creepy and start going into adoration chapels and watching holy people. I'm not saying that at all. Instead, I'm saying we've got to be the ones to do it. We've got to be the ones, myself included, that are drawn into the mystery of the Eucharist, that really love the Mass, and it's our Eucharistic devotion and our own sanctity and striving for holiness that acts as a witness that convinces others that Jesus is truly present there. No one stares at wonder at a simple piece of bread. No one kneels down for an hour just to worship a cookie. But if you really believe Jesus is there, your body language, our devotion will show others. And we may not have throngs of people beating down the door to come to Mass because of that. However, I do believe that our own devotion, our own striving for sanctity and allowing the Eucharist to transform us may make one person begin to question. Is Jesus truly present there? Begin to wonder about this great mystery and draw them into a deeper Eucharistic faith and belief. Amen.